The information on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a qualified licensed professional counselor or a qualified licensed medical provider. Hello and welcome back to another session of the Evolving Chair podcast with your host, Lakeisha. And so I'm so excited, Evolvers, because I have a great guest on the pod today. And so we won't have a pop therapy segment um, because the conversation was just too good. And so uh, I really want you guys to hear everything my special guest, Miss Latrice Sampson Richards has to say. And so I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about Miss Latrice. So Latrice Sampson Richards is a life enhancement coach, licensed professional counselor, supervisor, founder and head unicorn in charge at the Black Unicorn Project. Latrice holds a bachelor's degree in psychology with a minor in child and family studies from the University of Louisiana Lafayette, as well as a master's degree in counseling psychology from Louisiana State University in Shreveport. She is a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, PCOS fighter, aspiring mother, and a newlywed from New Orleans, Louisiana. And so Miss Latrice is also the podcast host of Unicorns Talk Podcast that can be found on SoundCloud, YouTube, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, literally everywhere you can find find her podcast and so I I just really want you guys just to take note um, because she is truly dropping some gems as we talk about um, military families and supporting them um, with their mental health And, and you know she's sharing some good key tips on us to evolve into our best selves in order to live our best lives to fulfill our God-given purpose. And so I I really want you guys just to take in everything she is giving. And after this break, we'll be right back with Miss Latrice Sampson Richards. All right, you guys, and we are back with my beautiful guest, Miss Latrice. You want to say hi to the Evolvers? Hello, hello, hello. How y'all doing out there? Yes. How are you doing? I am doing very well, actually. I I cannot complain at all. Awesome. I'm so excited. And you are actually in NOLA, right? I'm actually in Cuba. Oh, right. (laughs) Um, That's right, because you are, like, constantly traveling. Yes, I am definitely what they call a digital nomad. I'm, like, all (laughs) over the the world at this point. Right now, I am uh, in Cuba, in Guantanamo Bay, on the military base, and I will be here until mid-June, and then I'll be heading back to South Florida. I'm from New Orleans, but my husband and I live in South Florida. Yes. Okay. Yes. I I remember us talking about Nola and I just love New Orleans so much. So I'm just like, (laughs) I'm like, oh, (laughs) everybody loves New Orleans. What's there not to love? Yes. Yes. Oh, gosh. And now Latrice, talk to us and let us know, how did you even um, want to become a licensed professional counselor as well as um, a certified life coach? So talk to us, like, yeah, how absolutely. did that even start? Where did that start? So um, I always say uh, counseling was something that really just kind of came to me. I really didn't even know. I never really knew that I wanted to be a counselor, but I was always 
uh, drawn to counseling, whether I realized it or not. Even in high school, I was a junior counselor um, in high school, but I didn't really understand fully what that meant. I really just joined the program because we got to go to a retreat every year. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I wanted to go to the retreat. So I joined the junior counselor's program. But I've always been that person that people felt comfortable with going to and talking to about the things that they had going on. And so it's, it's something that has always always been in me. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do. But when I went to freshman orientation, I uh, was looking through the book that back then, that's when the course catalog was paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and second, you know, everything is online now. But it was it was a course catalog newspaper. And I was reading through it. And I came across psychology. Mm-hmm. And I had never even heard the word psychology before. And so I started reading up on it and said the, the study of human behavior. And I am a people watcher. So I thought I was so intrigued by that, the idea of being able to study human behavior because I had always wondered about it. And so I changed my major at freshman orientation. One of our first courses was learning about fields in the industry of Mm -hmm. psychology. And I just kind of gravitated toward counseling. It felt like a really good fit. So once I got into my career, I got my licensure and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And once I got into my career, I always thought that the the primary goal for myself career-wise was to go into private practice. Okay. When I got into private practice, it really ended up not being what I thought it was going to be. It wasn't Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. everything that I expected it to be. I hate working with insurance companies. I really believe insurance companies are like the modern day mafia. It's so ridiculous. (laughs) And so I just really didn't enjoy it. And it started to change the way I felt about the work itself. And I definitely couldn't continue like that because I love the work. You know, I really believe that this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. Mm -hmm. And so I was never open to life coaching before because, as you know, the the field historically, um, well, it's not necessarily has a long history at all, to be honest. It's still a very young industry, and Mm -hmm. um, it's just not as well regulated as um, the field of counseling is. And so anybody can call themselves a life coach. Like, Mm -hmm. literally Mm -hmm. anybody can call themselves a life coach if that's what they feel like doing. And I was always really turned off by that. But as I started to really have this urge to flex my creativity in my work and really be able to specialize in the areas that I wanted to specialize in, Mm -hmm. I realized more and more that my licensure was becoming a little bit of a hindrance Mm. because uh, you can only call yourself a counselor in the state in which you are counseling, Mm -hmm. right? Or excuse me, in the state in which you are licensed. Mm -hmm. And so because I move around so much with my job, that was very limiting for me um, oh. because I always like to have several pots going. Yeah. And so um, I started learning more about life coaching and really understanding uh, what life coaching is and how it could be beneficial in terms of helping me to satisfy my creative cur- uh, cravings, but then also to actually, you know, do some type of therapeutic work um, and help people really make lasting change in their life. Mm-hmm. And so what I discovered was a niche 
called therapeutic coaching. Mm. And so this niche is really, it's basically for people exactly like me. It's for licensed clinicians mm-hmm. who are, are looking for more flexibility in their work and then also in their career. And so are transitioning over into coaching. Okay. And so I get an opportunity to do a lot of the, the therapeutic work and some of that heart-centered emotional work that I like to do, mm-hmm. but not as deep as I would go into if I was working with like a client with the access one or, or access two, like an actual diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And then, but I also get an opportunity to help people with uh, just some really strategic structural type of steps to help them to build the life that they want to build for themselves. And so it's kind of like the best of both worlds for me. I decided to go ahead and get certified, even though it's still today not a requirement Mm -hmm, to be a life coach, (laughs) but I decided to go through the course and get my certification because Mm. I want people to know that I'm serious about Mm, doing the work that I'm doing. You know, I want somebody, I don't ever want somebody to have to question my motives or to question my competency mm. when they come and talk to me, uh, when they seek me, you know, for assistance or reach out for assistance. I want them to be able to rest assured that they know that I really put in the work and put in the effort to make sure that I can handle their issues, their situations with care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. I love that. And you also have a podcast. Now tell us about the podcast and how'd you even get started in, okay, I want to do podcasting. <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness. So, um, yes, my podcast is called Unicorns Talk Podcast and you are a friend of the show. Yes. And I loved ago. it. <laughs> yes. And my, my listeners loved you too. Oh. So, um, that was a really awesome and amazing experience, but Unicorns Talk Podcast is a weekly girl talk about black women, our healing mm-hmm. and our manifestation. And so, um, I, I absolutely love doing the podcast. It started out when I was in private practice. I um, was trying to basically just drum up some type of attention for my office and try to, you know, bring in new clients and things like that. So I created a program called the Empower Hour Series, Mm -hmm. and I was shopping my program around. And like I said, it it was a free program. It was literally just to drum up some type of, you know, audience or attention or like just to get a new client base. And so I ended up doing a couple of radio shows to promote my program. And one of the interviews I did, uh, the producer, after the interview, it was my, it was actually my very first like in studio live interview. I had never been inside (laughs) of a radio station before and I was Uh so nervous. And after the interview, the producer was like, have you ever thought about going into radio? And I was like, girl, me, Uh -uh." you know, like, (laughs) no, ma'am. She said, I think you should consider it. She's like, you would be really good. You have a really nice voice and you know, your subject matter, you're very knowledgeable about your subject matter. And I had never even considered, considered Mm -hmm. doing anything like that in any way, shape, form, or fashion. It just wasn't even in my sphere, you know? And so she really kind of planted that seed. I need to call her and tell her (laughs) what she planted, you know? Um, But she planted that seed for me. And within about six months or so after that, I had my own radio show at a local station in New Orleans, uh, Mm -hmm. WBOK. And the show didn't last very long, not because of anything I did, but some issues, 
you know, behind the scene, higher up stuff, way above my pay grade type of stuff. And so the show didn't last very long, but girl, I caught the bug. Let me tell you, <laughs> I fell in love. It's a completely new and, and exciting way of reaching your audience and mm, like getting yeah. feedback from people and really being able to impact people. I mean, I caught the bug, girl. I was hooked. And so <laughs> once I started moving around again with my job, I decided, you know, I had to figure out what is that going to look like? Mm-hmm. And so one of my friends, I was talking to one of my friends about how much I really missed doing my radio show. And he said, well, you ever thought about doing a podcast? And I was like, girl, what is a podcast, you know? (laughs) And so I started doing research on podcasts and I started kind of listening to a few podcasts. And I was like, well, this is like a radio show on the Internet. I could do that, you know? (laughs) So um, I just, you know, I'm self-taught. I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. I I just Google is your friend. Um, (laughs) And so I just started Googling how to put this podcast together. And now I am uh, about 10 months in, um, almost 11 months in. My <laughs> one year anniversary is going to be on July 7th. Oh, um, wow. And so, Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, and it, it has grown so much in this year. Like it's a completely different show. Yeah. And I really, really love it. I really enjoy it. It's still small. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still trying to reach my audience, but it's getting there, you know, yes. and the feedback that I get from people about how, you know, how I've impacted their lives and how they enjoy the show and, and things like that. Like, and the show has taught me so much about myself. I was just saying yes. this the other day, <laughs> like I today just, you know, who I am today and, and the comfort level that mm-hmm. I have with putting myself on display in a professional setting because that's different from a personal setting. You know Mm -hmm, what I'm saying? mm -hmm. Like putting myself on display and being my true, genuine, authentic self in a professional setting. I have never felt so free before. And I feel like I've never been able to make such a monumental impact on people's lives. And so the more comfortable I get with myself, it seems like the more beneficial I have been to my audience and, mm-hmm. and so I'm just gonna continue to do that. But I love my little podcast, uh, Unicorns Talk Podcast. Yes, I love um, listening. So you guys yes, go listen yes. everywhere, literally everywhere. <laughs> yes, new new episodes come out every yes. Wednesday. I try to get them out by eleven AM. Sometimes I don't quite make it to 11 a.m., but I do try to make sure they come out on Wednesdays no matter what. Uh Um, And so literally anywhere you could listen to a podcast, you can listen to Unicorns Talk Podcast. So check it out. Yes, I love it. I love it. And now let's just shift gears a little bit, um, Latrice, with you um, working within the military. How do you see mental health as as still a big deal among that population? So the program that I work for is um, it's kind of like a third party program. So mm-hmm. I don't work for the military. I work with the military. And so um, our program was designed to handle some of the subclinical issues that people deal with on a Mm. day-to-day basis that are just heightened by military life. Mm. Um, And so the idea behind my program is to, you know, meet people when 
the situation is smaller to try to prevent it Mm -hmm. from ballooning to a point where they then need a more intensive type of treatment. And so we're all licensed clinicians. And so, you know, obviously we can handle any level of treatment that comes Mm -hmm. our way, but our program is specifically designed to be the first point of intervention and to prevent it from getting there. Mm. Um, And so, you know, mental health in the military is still a thing, you know, like Mm -hmm. it still is a thing because the service members and their dependents, they're dealing with everything that you and I are dealing with. Like they're dealing with everyday life. They're dealing with like I'm right now I'm working with the kids. I do kids and adults. Oh, so you're working with their family, too. Yes, it's awesome. for active duty service awesome. members and their dependents, awesome. right? Yeah. So right now I'm working with the kids in, in the military school. Um, okay. And so different assignments, you know, we have school assignments, uh, you know, child and youth assignments, and then also adult assignments. Mm-hmm. I've done all three, but my current is in the school. Okay. And so, you know, in the school, we deal with things like, you know, relationship issues. Mm-hmm. You know, my middle school kids are exploring relationships who isn't, you know, yeah. like everybody deals with that at some point in time. But the fact that these kids also have to deal with PCSing in the middle of the school year. So that means I have to leave my boyfriend or that mm. means I have to leave my girlfriend. And I don't really want to do that. This is my first love. I don't want to have to leave my boyfriend. I don't want to have to leave, you know, this person that I've created a relationship with or even leaving my friends and things like that. I also have to deal with deployments. Maybe, you know, my whichever one of my service member family, uh, service member parents, whether it's my mom or my dad, they might be deploying for six months. And so mm-hmm. I'm a regular kid in a regular school, but now I have to deal with the fact that my daddy is leaving for six months or that my mother is going to be in another country for three months and in, and I'm not going to be able to talk to her. Yeah. So they deal with everything that we deal with, you know, but they it is heightened because on top of that, they have military life. Mm-hmm. And so we teach them a lot of coping skills. Um, and, and honestly, a lot of it is really just kind of being there for them and giving right. them a place to vent it all out. Um, because I find that within the military, the most difficult part um, about getting help in terms of relieving their mental health tensions is finding and having a safe place to just kind of let it all out, you know, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. again, I think is a parallel that we can draw between the everyday person, you know, like everybody just needs to feel like they have a place that is safe for them that can allow them to be vulnerable, to be completely raw, to be uncensored. And so I tell my kids when I'm working with my kids at the school or wherever it is, I'm not your teacher. I am not the one that's going to give you, like, I don't write disciplinary reports. That is not in my job description. So, you know, get it out however you need to get it out and we'll sort the rest out later. And so my kids really feel comfortable with talking to me about whatever it is that they are dealing with. Um, And and I'm glad that they know that they have that outlet. Mm, I love that. Um, And I just lost what I was going to ask you about just working with the kids um, and having their families deployed. Um, 
Oh, one question though, with the teachers, what kind of education do you feel that you are constantly giving them? Because I'm assuming that it's, it may be similar along the lines of, you know, granted the students, many of the students I work with in the school aren't, don't necessarily have parents in the military. You know, I'm pretty sure it's a few of them, but I don't have any on my caseload that I'm working with that I know of. Um, but I feel like I provide a lot of um, psychoeducation to the teachers just on like trauma and um, trauma in the classroom room and for them understanding um that both the child and them can be triggering each other (laughs) so what what Mm -hmm. what is that thing that you feel like you are constantly like having to talk to teachers about or communicate with them about as it relates to working with the students yeah i oddly enough i think that the one uh, recurring theme that comes up is really making sure that the teachers understand the appropriateness of the developmental stages, you know, Um, like when, when they're dealing with certain things with the kids, I think it's, well, I think it's easy for the teachers sometimes to take things personally. Mm -hmm. Um, And I understand that because those teachers they are pouring into those kids. Like they come in there every day and they are giving it their 100% every single day. And I see it. And we have some excellent and amazing teachers out there. And then, you know, a, a 12-year-old is going to be a 12-year-old, you know, and a, and a 15-year-old is going to be a 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I find that a lot of times some of our teachers, they take it personally, mm-hmm. you know, they take yeah. it as a slap in the face. Like I'm working so hard. I'm barely making any money. I'm mm-hmm. putting my own money into these lesson plans. I'm staying after school. Yeah. I'm taking on the extra assignments. I'm supervising your games. I'm helping you mm-hmm. learn how to do these cheers. Yeah. I'm neglecting my own family Mm. to be here for you so that I can participate in your growth and your development. And you got the nerve to sit up here and tell me what you're not going to do. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, so the the, the teachers, you know, they take it, they take it personally. And, and if I had a nickel for every time I told a teacher just this school year, you cannot take it personal. (laughs) This is developmentally, this is where they are. And that doesn't mean that it's acceptable or it's okay for them to talk to you that way. Obviously, you do need to correct that behavior, but you can't appropriately correct that behavior if you are in your emotions. And so you need to put emotion to the side. Don't take it personal. This is the job. And a part of that job is, you know, parenting that child when they are in your possession. Mm -hmm. I always say the teacher is the parent of the classroom. Mm -hmm. And so just like you parent your kids at home, you got to parent your kids at school. And when you're at school, you, when you're parenting period, you, you have to put the emotion on the shelf. You have to do what you need to do to make sure that your child turns into a productive human being. And the same thing goes for the classroom. Yeah, no, that's really good. And now, Latrice, when you're working with um, the children, and I know you said you've worked with like the adults and um, everybody else, but um, since you're working with the children currently, how do you work through that child when their parent comes back home um, and the parent is going through or or is exhibiting PTSD-like symptoms? How do you deal with the child? Well, I think 
The first thing that I always do, obviously, is to validate the child's feelings, you Mm -hmm. know, because depending on the age of the child, they may or may not really understand what their parent's job is. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the kids, they know that their parent is in the military, Mm -hmm. but they don't always really understand what that means for their parent. And I think that's probably we could say for any child, like, you know, I, I knew, I knew growing up, I knew that my daddy worked at the post office, but I didn't really know what he did at the post office. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And we mm-hmm. would go visit him at the post office, but I didn't really know the extent of his job until I probably was in college, to be honest with you, is mm-hmm. when I really understood like who my daddy was and what my daddy did. And so I think a lot of kids, don't always understand the work that their parents do. And so in the military, that sometimes I think is made a little bit more difficult because what you're taught as a child is that your mom, your dad has is making a sacrifice for their country. Yeah. And you are supposed to love the fact that they're making that sacrifice. Like you, you're supposed to be proud of the fact that, that they're leaving you for six months to go do their duty. You're right. supposed to be proud of the fact that, you know, they, they, you know, having these issues and things because this is their sacrifice um, for the love and, and the good of their country. But as a child, I just want my mama. You know, or or I just want my daddy. I just want my daddy to be here and I want my daddy to not be sad. And, you know, so it's a it's a weird place for them to be in, because on the one hand, I feel what I feel as the child in this situation. But then on the other hand, I have this obligation to feel honor, you know, Mm. and so it can be a really uh, difficult place for them to be in. So I always try to just start off with validating their feelings, just whatever mm-hmm. you're feeling, it's valid. You know, it's, a, yeah. I understand it's hard. And then once we do that, um, I try to just talk them through understanding what they feel and like really just sorting it out. You know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and then we come up once we try to get out or wrap our minds around, this is why I feel the way that I feel. This is what I'm missing. And just getting them to verbalize that because it's very difficult for them to verbalize a lot of times because of that juxtaposition between, you know, having the, the, the pride in the work that their parent does, but then also, having the the frustration that their parent is gone or that, you know, that their parent cannot show up for them the way that they want them to show up. They don't, they don't get a chance to verbalize, you know? So first I just let them verbalize. And then once we do that, um, then we try to come up with workarounds. um, Mm -hmm. And that's where we start teaching those coping skills. Mm -hmm. So how do we deal with this? How do we manage this? How do we, you know, if, if daddy is having a really, really bad day, if daddy is feeling really sad today, what are some things that I can do to make sure one, that I don't start feeling sad right along with him. Right. right? But then two, what can I do instead? Right. Mm. So maybe whether that's, you know, trying to make or help daddy feel better, even though I don't necessarily always advocate for that because I don't always know the extent of the issue that the parent is dealing with. So Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to like set that child up 
to to get let down, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's something else that I can do once daddy starts feeling better? You know what I'm saying? Like once daddy starts smiling again, we can do this or we can do that. Or maybe I can just make him a card or I can, you know, paint him a, a picture frame or something. You know, like what is something that I can do to kind of be proactive about the situation? And so we just teach a lot of coping skills and make sure that they understand that, the situation that their parent is dealing with has nothing to do with them mm-hmm. um, and, and just try to drill that into them as much as possible. Awesome. Awesome. And now Latrice, what are some tips that um, parents who are in the military can do to prepare their child for their deployment? Is there like some um, top ones that you're like, Ooh, if, if you know, the parents would do this to help prepare, prepare their child and granted we know you know you can still do all the preparation but you know it may not really hit hit the child until what like maybe like two months in or something or like a big event is happening and the child is like wait I want my mama or my daddy here but what are some tips that that come to mind um that can that parents who are in the military can can help um provide to their child before their deployment one of my favorite uh, tools to use when when a family is preparing for a PCS mm-hmm. is um, it's like it's called a daddy box or a mommy box, oh, right? So okay. depending on whichever parent is leaving, um, you kind of you could take a shoe box. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be nothing fancy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You could take a shoe box and, and make it a family activity before that parent leaves. The family sits down and create a daddy box or create a mommy box. And that child decorates their box. They put pictures, their favorite pictures of, you know, me and daddy on the box or my favorite pictures of me and mommy on the box and decorate the box to look really nice. Mm -hmm. And then on the inside of the box, they're going to put, you know, some, some mementos or things that remind me of daddy or things that like some of my favorite things that remind me about mommy. And I'm going to put those things in the box so that if when mommy and daddy are gone and I start missing them, I can go to my box and it's filled with happy memories Mm -hmm. and it can. And so I don't need to be sad because I can remember these happy memories. This is really, really good across all ages, but it is most effective with your middle school and elementary school Mm -hmm. kids Mm -hmm. um, because they're still kind of in that headspace. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like they still kind of have a certain level of innocence. and, And so it's a really, really good tool to use with them to really not only give them some comfort, but to teach them how to self-soothe, right? Mm-hmm. How to be mm-hmm. able to uh, manage their emotions and to pull themselves out of a negative place. So a daddy box or a mommy box is an awesome and amazing way. And you create the memory of creating the box, you know? And exactly. so that's a new memory for them to have and, and to be able to hold on to. So that's first and foremost. And then for your older kids, maybe like your high school kids, um, I think it's honestly, it's just sitting down with them and having a real conversation with them. Because at that age, once they get a little older, high school age, um, they understand what it is a little bit better than the younger ones do. Like, especially if the parent is PCSing to a war zone mm. or something like that, where their life is actually in danger, which is not always the case. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's important for you to sit down with your kids, with your older kids, and just say, hey, listen, you know, I got to go for such and such amount of time. And then you're going to outline the the modes of contact. So this is how we're going to maintain our relationship. Mm. This is how we're going to maintain connection, especially if there is like a major life event that's going to happen during mm-hmm. the time that you're leaving. Then it's really important for you to make sure that that child knows how you intend to participate in that life event, right? right. So if it's, a, if it's a high school graduation, if it's a birthday, if it's something like that, I'm going to send you a card, maybe, you know, because they don't always have access to telephones. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm going to make sure I send you a card. I'm going to send you a letter for your birthday. Or even if it's, you know, we're going to celebrate your birthday when I get back, okay? Like we're going we're gonna to plan a big thing. We're going to celebrate your birthday when I get back. Or, you know, mom is going to live stream your graduation so I can be there for your graduation. You know, like whatever it is, just sit down and have the conversation with your older child and say, like, this is our situation. This is what we're dealing with. This is how we're going to maintain this connection. And, you know, I'm, I'm here for you. And I find that the older kids, they really appreciate that. Because, you know, they're on the cusp between adolescence and adulthood. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, it helps them to feel like they are being respected and that their feelings are being taken into consideration at that point. Awesome. And now what about, and, and now I just want to kind of talk about um, the military in general with um the, the, the services that they provide for um, the individuals who serve, wh- what do you think is missing in terms of like more kind of prevention work instead of reactive? Because I just think of um, typically military individuals don't go see a therapist until, you know, um, the symptoms are becoming too much. And, you know, now um, more family is probably involved trying to talk them into going to see somebody and seek professional help. What do you think we can do more to kind of like prevent those instances where it's just like now you're being forced to go um, or, or put on the spot? In other words, what what do you think it is missing in terms of um, providing that support when those individuals come back and even probably prior to? Yeah, so the military actually has a plethora of programs in Mm. place to support the service members and their dependents. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that, you know, I've been working with the military families for about six years, seven years now. And um, one thing that I can absolutely say is that the programs are there. Mm. They have all of the resources that they could ever need to manage Mm -hmm. whatever it is that they're dealing with in their lives. I think that the problem more often than not is military culture. Mm. And so that is what is really preventing the service members from, in my opinion, from getting the help that they need because the culture is not in, they are making a shift, you know, toward being more open and accepting, but in general, the culture is not, readily accessible or acceptable 
or open, I think is the word mm-hmm. I'm looking for, to that type of intervention. Now, you okay. do have some, like, I think it really kind of depends on the command because I've worked with some commands that feel like mental health is, at the top of their priority list Mm. and that, you know, family structure is of high importance. Uh And so they structure their command to really put an emphasis on those things. Mm. And you can see the difference that it makes in their service members. But then I've also worked with some commands that, you know, feel like it's all hogwash and Mm. it's just an excuse to get out of work. And you can see the difference that that makes in their service members as well. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's really more, I think, you know, political, political inference to the side. I think it's really more about the culture Hmm that is facilitated within any particular command. Okay. Okay. So then we, we got some work to do to, um, to shift that culture, you know, and, and I think even, you know, we know that even amongst, um, the black and minority communities, you know, mental health is still, um, something people are like, uh, yeah, but whatever. And, you know, I know we see more now than ever, more people coming out, speaking up against it. But, you know, just you saying that shows that, you know, we still have much work to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it is very similar to what we see in the black community. It's a different culture, but the mm-hmm. premise is the same yeah. in that, you know, mental health treatment is not necessarily something that is, smiled upon, you know, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, we feel like going and talking to somebody about the things that we're dealing with is a sign of weakness. But Mm -hmm. I think it's a sign of strength. Uh, It takes a strong person to be able to acknowledge that they need help. I think weakness is in pretending that everything is okay. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it both in military culture, but then also in black culture, it's important for us to like, let those put down our airs and really do what we need to do to be okay. Because if we are not okay as individuals, then we're not going to be okay collectively. Exactly. And I love that you just said that. Um, And and now to shift gears a little more um, (laughs) in terms of um, just the black community. Now, Latrice, when you're working with individuals, do you find that once they find like, okay, so like you're you have your services out and, you know, you have highlighted, you know, I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm a life a certified life coach. Do you feel that people are more accepting to be like, oh, she's a life coach. Let me reach out to her versus, oh, <laughs> she's a licensed professional counselor. Mm, I don't need that help. Yes. Need- <laughs> you know, it, absolutely it is. I think that for a lot of people, um, the idea of going to a coach mm-hmm. is a lot more acceptable than the yeah. idea of going to a counselor or a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my theory, I do have theories about why I think that is. I think, you know, part of it is is really because of the more informal nature of coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. and I think the fact that uh, just the, I guess, just the stereotype that, that counseling or therapy has mm-hmm. um, and coaching is really kind of seen as the alternative. Yeah. And so um, also I think it's the, the idea that, when you go see a coach, like just even the word coach, you know, like right. a coach is somebody that teaches you skills. Yeah. And so it automatically gives you 
the feeling that you're going there to learn something, like you're going there to learn how to do something, uh, you know, specific or something in particular, whereas counseling kind of has this air of something wrong with you. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think that pe- just even the wording, the choice of wording helps people to see it differently. And and I think that they are a lot more open to coaching than they are to counseling. Mm. Now, how do you work that? Because see, now you, you do, you have the license as a therapist, but then you also have, um, the certification as a life coach. Now, how are you able to merge the two or when you get that person that come that comes for you for life coaching, but yet you're like, mm, you need a therapist. Are you able to tell them like, hey, I would love to work with you within this realm of things because before we can do anything else, like I, I need to be able to work with you within the therapeutic realm of things. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am licensed as a professional counselor in the state of Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And so outside of my, you know, my job, because my job allows me to do counseling wherever I am, because I'm under the protection of the contract that that I work for. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, you know, notwithstanding, Um, I am solely licensed in the state of Louisiana. And so I only perform counseling services, actual therapeutic clinical services within the state of Louisiana. Mm -hmm. So my coaching is, like I said earlier, I do what's called therapeutic coaching, which is kind of a middle ground between clinical therapy and coaching, right? Mm -hmm. So we go deeper than... I would go if I was strictly a coach, mm-hmm. but not as deep as I would go oh. if I were acting as a clinician okay. in that moment. Now, if I'm working with somebody that is in the state of Louisiana, if I'm in Louisiana and I'm working with a Louisiana-based client, mm-hmm. then there is no issue there. Um, you know, I can do the the in-depth therapy with them and I can do the coaching with them. Mm-hmm. I do tend to, like, um, I let them know the difference between the two, you know? So like if we, if I feel like a client needs some therapeutic intervention before we can get to the coaching stuff, then I tell them that from the very beginning, you know, I think that this is what you're going to need. And I outline that in there, in our contract, um, you know, in, in the, uh, service agreement that I have them sign at the beginning of services, Mm -hmm. I outline all of that. But in, in the midst of like, if I'm working with the client, that is outside of the state of Louisiana. And so I'm not able to act as a clinician in those instances um, if they are dealing with the situation that requires a more in-depth type type of uh, treatment. Like, for example, if they're dealing with a major depression or if they're dealing with some type of access to disorder or something like that, then I will tell them straight up, you know, I'm going to have to refer you out because I'm not licensed in your state. So I can handle this. I am more than qualified, but it is illegal for me to do so. You know, right. and I, I just tell them straight up, um, yeah. you know, this is my livelihood. I am not trying to lose my livelihood, um, you know, behind this one little session here. Yeah. But it's still important for me to make sure it's important to me 
to make sure that you get the help that you need. And so I'll research and try to find some type of referral for more in-depth counseling in their area. And, you know, I leave the door open to them. Once you get your your significant mental health issue under control, then, you know, come back to me. And then we can start working on the structure and the strategic stuff. We can start working on the coaching stuff again, you know. Exactly. Um, and so I just find that open communication is the most important. And I outline um, the difference between the therapeutic relationship in my service agreement. Mm, okay, I like that. And now, Latrice, how do you protect your own mental wellness um, just from serving the population you serve? And, you know, we know as therapists, we, we can come across burnout or compassion fatigue. How do you protect yourself, your own mental wellness? So the biggest thing that I do is honestly, I try to listen to my body mm. as much as I can. Um, if my body is saying we need to sleep, then I lay down and I go to sleep. Um, and, and I'm not one of those people that try to fight through. Well, I mean, well, I'm not going to say I never, cause if I'm like almost finished with something, then I'm going to finish it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But when my body, if, my, if, if I wake up, or like when I get off, because I work, I still work my nine to five job. And so um, if I'm, if I work a full day at my nine to five and my body is saying, we need to lay down, we need a nap, then I come home and I take a nap and everything that I have to get done, it'll have to get done after this hour and a half nap. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like it's just going to have to wait an hour and a half. So I try to honor whatever my body is requesting in that moment, I try to just honor that um, as much as as much as I can, and you know, just just take my time as I'm doing things. Another thing that I've learned how to do here lately is to start delegating responsibilities. Mm. Um, I run, I have like three brands that I run. I have the <laughs> podcast, I have my professional brand, and then uh-huh. I also have a blog called The Black Unicorn Project. And girl, I am tired. I have a husband, you yes. know what I'm saying? And that's like a whole other responsibility, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, I'm I'm tired. And so I, I cannot do I cannot continue to do everything myself Mm. and so I actually just recently about three or four months ago I brought on an intern and she has been extremely helpful in terms of um, just helping me to get things done like some of the stuff that I need to do but that I don't necessarily need to do those things you know what I'm saying like they need to get done but I don't have to be the one to do them um because I have like a system in place and a structure that she can just follow and make it happen um I'm actually uh in talks right now of bringing on a manager for my blog um and so that person is going to basically um you know fulfill my vision and, and, you know, just kind of manage the ins and outs of the blog in terms of making that happen and things like that. Um, I still do the podcast myself. My Mm -hmm. podcast is still 100% written, produced, edited, all that. I do everything (laughs) for the podcast. You know what I'm saying? I do everything. (laughs) But I really enjoy doing that. So I don't necessarily have a problem with that, you know? Um, But I'm just learning how to delegate delegate responsibility as much as I can. 
honoring my body when my body says that it needs something. Mm. And then just, you know, taking time to kind of process it all. You know, I want to be able to, you know, I have big dreams. I have a huge, huge vision. And I really want to help as many people as I can for as long as God will allow me to do that. And in order to do that, it's going to require me to take care of myself. And so I I do the best that I can. It's so funny. I was just saying uh, the other day I was telling somebody, Mm -hmm. um, I do like three live streams a week. I do a podcast episode. Like (laughs) I use my voice now more than I ever have. And so um, I was just really kind of getting over a little bout of like a little sinus drip issue that I was having. Uh And so my voice was sounding all kind of crazy. And I was like, no, I need to get my voice back. My voice is like my voice is like my livelihood now, you know, Um, because that's like for my podcast, that's one of the top feedbacks that I get is how much people love my voice. And I'm like, oh, my God, I need to like be sucking on lemons and stuff like I really need to <laughs> take care of my voice yes. now. So some days, girl, I won't even open my mouth. Mm. I just won't say anything for a whole day because I talk wow. so, so much. much. Yeah. So, you know, just honoring my whatever it is my body needs is is my top way of self-care awesome I love it I love all of those things um now Latrice if you can put together a recipe for people to be an evolver and so I, I define an evolver as somebody who colors outside of the lines to um to become their best self from the inside out if you can list three key ingredients it takes for people to be an evolver. What are those three things? Mm, That's a really good question. So is this in any particular order? Any particular order. (laughs) Okay. All right. So I think the first thing that I would say is forgiveness. You have to have the ability to and the willingness to forgive. And that means forgiving yourself. That means forgiving others. That means forgiving your circumstances, your situations, like just forgiveness. And I know it sounds very cliche, but it is so true. Forgiveness is a gift that you give to yourself. It really is about relieving yourself of the obligation to hold on to whatever it was that hurt you, whoever it was that hurt you, whatever the poor decision was that you made, just releasing it and forgiving it. So I think that that is a number one priority for an evolver is to forgive because lack of forgiveness is what I think can make us feel stuck a Mm. lot of times. Yes. So that's first. Okay. The second thing for an evolver to have, I think, is a connection with themselves. Hmm. So what I mean by that is being really in touch with your inner voice and knowing yourself better than anybody could ever possibly know you from my favorite color, Mm -hmm. my favorite type of T-shirt, all the way to what keeps me up at night, Mm. what genuinely concerns me about 
the path or or the direction that my life is going and what is it that I want out of life like indulging in who you are Mm -hmm. who you want to be where you see yourself Mm -hmm. and the people you keep around you like the whole nine yards just really strengthening that internal connection because I think that that internal connection that internal voice that is what provides the guide for life it tells you which direction you need to go in Mm -hmm. so if you're not in touch with that then you won't know where to go or where you're going so there's that and then the third piece I think is extremely important is just to have realistic expectations um, because your expectations really set the foundation for how you interact with the world and it sets the foundation for how you see yourself in the world. And so if you have unrealistic or unhealthy expectations, then there is not one area of your life that will not be negatively impacted by that. Mm-hmm. Not one wow. from your your health mm-hmm. and the way that you manage your health to your finances, to your romantic relationships, to your career aspirations. Your expectation plays a role in every single aspect of your life. And so it's so important for you to have healthy and realistic expectations across the board in order for you to really be able to evolve in the direction that you want to go in. Yes. I love that. You gave us a word. Like that was a word, Latrice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do that from time to time, girl. You know, I do that sometimes, you know? Yes. But I believe it. I mean, it's the truth. It yes. is. It is the truth. And I believe it because I experienced it. You know, I, my, I have a, uh, I have my signature program is the Empower Your Vision Masterclass, mm-hmm. and I teach all of this in the masterclass. So we dig in, girl, we dig in real deep uh, in the masterclass. But it's literally what I had to learn when I was in the beginning stages of my journey. Girl, I was in a mm-hmm. dark, dark place when I was approaching my 30s. And mm-hmm. I mean, my life was in complete disarray. And you know, the only difference between me at that time in my dark place and the average person in mm-hmm. their dark place is that I had the training that I needed and the technical skills that I needed to pull myself out of that. Mm. But the implementation of that was a struggle. And so the masterclass is the implementation. It is teaching the implementation and so I know what it is. I know what it feels like. And I know what needs to happen to get yourself out of it. I believe every word of what I just said to you because I mm. lived it. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is something. And that's, and I feel like that's a whole nother uh, uh, segment in itself, just that transition to 30. You know, because I think we all go into it like, oh, my gosh, I'm not ready for it. Like, what is it going to be? And like you said, going back to those realistic expectations, too, you know, because we think about 30, I'm going to be married with some kids and a house and a dog. Listen, girl, 30. Let me tell you, girl, 30 hit me like a ton of bricks, girl. I was Mm. not ready. I was not prepared. And it was really like about six to eight months 
leading into 30 wow. is when, I mean, I literally, I was having panic attacks. Mm. Like 30 hit me like a ton of bricks. And I, I was in a very dark place. And I think a lot of us find out, like a lot of people, especially black women, find ourselves in that place. I wasn't in a relationship, girl, no relationship to be had. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Financially, girl, my credit score mm. was like in the, the mid 400s, girl. Mm. Listen, I was like in a really dark, dark place across the board. Wow. And so that's why I think I'm so passionate about everything. And that's why the Empower Your Vision Masterclass, it is my signature program mm. because it is almost, you know, it's almost 10 years in the making of of me, you know, going through that journey and learning those lessons and pulling myself out of it. But then also teaching my clients how to do it. So I've been able to hone it over the years to to really make sure that it's able to be applied across multiple situations and life situ and, and life stages, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, girl, I, I, the masterclass is not just for approaching 30. It's for anybody that's in a place in their life that they know that they're ready to make some change and they don't know what that change looks like. They don't know where to start. They don't know how to make it happen. This is where you start. This is where you start. Yes. Tell us a little more about the masterclass and how people can sign up for it and stay connected. Yes. Yeah, so um, the masterclass is the Empower Your Vision Masterclass. And um, it is five modules across five weeks. Um, the, the modules are pre-recorded. And so um, registration is absolutely completely free. It will be free forever. I will never wow. ever charge anybody for the Empower Your Vision Masterclass because I feel like the information that's in the Masterclass, anybody who wants this information should be able to get it. I want okay. them to, I don't want there to be a reason for anybody to not kickstart their journey. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So if, you, if you're saying that you're ready, you just don't know where to start, then prove it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Prove it. Because there's no reason for you to not get this information. So if, if something is stopping you from getting this information, it is not the cost. And maybe that's something else that you need to look at and try to understand what's keeping you from taking that next step forward. So I wanted to just eliminate any type of barrier Wow. to people, specifically black women, getting the help that they need. Um, so the masterclass is five modules across five weeks. It's one module per week. And then um, it's like 15 worksheets that come along with it. I did wow. all of the worksheets myself. Wow. And the worksheets are like literally step-by-step, -step, um, like all of the skills that I teach in the masterclass, the worksheets, help you with the implementation of those skills. So it okay. takes it from something that's just a concept and makes it something that's tangible and real in your life. Because I, I find that a lot of people, that is their biggest struggle is, yeah, like that sounds good. You know what I'm saying? Like that sounds like something I need to do, but how mm -hmm. am I supposed to do that in real life? You know? Right. <laughs> um, and so yeah. those, you know, and so those worksheets really kind of 
bring it back down to earth for them mm-hmm. and, and make it something that's a lot more tangible where you can see it and you can implement it. And then um, all of that is served up to you inside of your own personal private client portal. So you get your own private space, your own private area wow. where you can work on your worksheets, you can watch your videos, you can you know look over your outlines and, and really just have a space that is literally all about you. And it's no, it's, it's completely free, like I said. Um, And then every Monday, I have also a Facebook group, a closed Facebook group that is only for uh, participants of the masterclass. And um, once you join that Facebook group, every single Monday, I do a live Q&A session inside of that Facebook group. And so um, I do a brief topic every week, uh, which is a topic that's related to implementation in some way, shape, form, or fashion. But it's really an opportunity for me to check in with all of the masterclass participants Mm -hmm. because I want to know where you are. I want to know how you're doing with implementation. And that's really their opportunity to get that direct access to me, answer any questions that they might have. Hey, I'm dealing with this this week. This is what I'm struggling on. I'm trying to implement this, but I can't figure out this part. Or I'm looking at the worksheet and and I'm not sure what to write down for this or or I'm having a real crappy week this week and I feel like giving up and and I just need to be loved on like whatever it is every single Monday I do a live Q&A inside that Facebook group and they have direct access to me for as long as they need it I don't put a time limit on it Mm -hmm. so sometimes it lasts 15 minutes because everybody all right nobody show up and sometimes it's, you know, an hour and a half, two hours because wow. I had a good bit of people that asked questions. So Mondays, there's no time limit on that. And then I also just have other little things in there. So it's a really awesome group um, to, to supplement the program and create a safe place for implementation. You know, the, the program is not designed to solve all of your problems in five weeks, that is impossible. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. You mm-hmm. can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Right. But in those five weeks, it gives you the blueprint. It gives you the foundation to be able to address any issue that comes your way across the, the span of your journey. So mm-hmm. in that five weeks, I teach you everything you need to handle anything that could possibly come your way as you move through your journey. And, I give you the follow-up help that you need to be able to maintain it. And so I'm very proud of the program. You can register, like I said, for free by going to my website, latricesampsonrichards.com backslash empower your vision. That's E-M-P-O-W-H-E-R, your vision.com uh, or empower your vision, latricesampsonrichards.com backslash empower your vision. And, um, yeah, I'm really proud of it. And um, I, I have a, a good bit of women that have signed up. And uh, my goal is to have at least 500 women participate in the class before mm-hmm. the, the end of this year. All right. And so, um, you know, we, we're getting there slowly but surely. We yes. are getting there. Um, so I always tell people, you know, if you find that it's beneficial, tell a friend. Tell anybody that you think could benefit from it because... I really believe that this is my purpose in life is to is to do this work. And, and I just want to do it for as long as I can. Yes, I love it. And the fact, too, that it's free, you know, mm-hmm. and like you said, you're eliminating all barriers. So now what's the issue? 
Right. Wow. So I love that. And now, Latrice, can you let the listeners know where they can connect with you at? Absolutely. So, of course, you can go to my website, LatriceSampsonRichards.com. If you're interested in working with me one-on-one or participating in the masterclass, you can go to the website. You can also find the podcast at LatriceSampsonRichards.com backslash Unicorns Talk Pod. Or if you just go to the to the website, you'll see um, you'll see the menu tab up at the top, and from there you'll be able to uh, click on the icon to listen to the podcast anywhere, uh, everywhere. The podcast is available anywhere that you want to listen to it. Um, you can shoot me an email at support at Latrice. SampsonRichards.com. That's L-A-T-R-I-C-E-S-A-M-P-S-O-N-R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S.com. On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, well, Facebook and Instagram, I'm at Latrice Sampson Richards. On Twitter, it's L Sam Richards, because girl, they told me my name was too long, but I didn't work out. (laughs) Um, And then I also have uh, another Facebook group um, called Trust Village, and it is a safe place for healing and manifestation. Mm. It is specifically for black women so that we can learn how to trust ourselves again. We can learn how to trust each other Mm. again. We're learning how to love on each other. We're learning how to support each other. And we're also, more importantly, we're learning how to receive love Mm. and how to receive support. Because I think for a lot of black women, we don't know how to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, you can register for Trust Village at facebook.com backslash groups backslash Trust Village. Um, And that community is almost at 600 women. And we're working on getting to 750. Once we get to 750 women, I told my group members, my villagers, as I call them, (laughs) um, I have a huge, huge surprise for them uh, once we get to 750. So y'all need to go ahead and sign up for the Trust Village so y'all can uh, be a part of getting that surprise. Yes, I feel that after this episode releases, I'm I'm speaking into existence. The floodgates gonna open. We gonna hit that Facebook group because you are doing too many great things, Latrice, for oh. for it it not to blow up. You know what I mean? Like, and so I and I'm just so grateful to have you on here. Um, because you are dope. You are a dope therapist. If nobody tells you that, you are. What you're doing is, is not going unnoticed. You know, and I think sometimes um, just even us within the helping profession, we don't do what we do to get acknowledgement. But I mean, sometimes, you know, it, it is nice to know like, okay, people see our hard work and it's not, you know what yeah. I mean? Going unnoticed. Yeah. So I want you to know that. I I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, That is, I think, the hardest part about our profession is that we help people and then they they leave us. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like our job (laughs) is to work ourselves out of a job. And that's what we want. You know, like I want you to be successful, but um, it does feel good you know, to hear it at the same time. And so um, I'm just grateful that this is the gift that God chose to give me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, even though I wish I was a singer, I ain't even gonna lie, girl. I'd be singing (laughs) all up in my bathroom and stuff like that. I wish I was a singer, you know, Uh but, but I am, I am grateful that this is the gift that he chose to give me because just, 
but just being able to have an impact on people's lives, like it's it's indescribable. I, and I know you know what I'm talking about. Yes. You know, like it's mm-hmm. it's so hard to even put it into words it what that feels like, you know? Yeah. And so um, it's selfish in a lot of ways because I enjoy getting that feeling. I enjoy, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I just, I do. I, I enjoy being of service to other people. So thank you. I, I appreciate that. You are so welcome. So welcome. And so I really want you guys to connect with Latrice and sign up for the Empower Your Vision uh, yes, webinar empower your vision masterclass. masterclass and i'm going to sign up for it so i'm i'm definitely excited about that and so i appreciate you latrice coming on and just sharing your knowledge and all the great things that you are doing for the community you hear me you keep doing what you're doing keep letting god use you yes ma'am thank yes. you i will that that is the plan yes Yes, and I'm supporting you 100%. So I thank you again, and we'll be right back after this. Hey, Evolvers. For you, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their services. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com backslash T-E-C-P-O-D. Again, That's audibletrial.com backslash T-E-C-P-O-D for your free audiobook today. All right, you guys, and we are back. Thank you so much for my beautiful and wonderful guest, Miss Latrice. You guys make sure you go and sign up for her masterclass. It's free 99 and and, and get connected with her in in her Facebook groups because she's definitely doing some dynamic things. So you guys go like and share her things on social media because she is doing an awesome job for our community. As well as thank you to our sponsors for today's session, Audible. So don't forget, don't forget to go get your Audible book, your free audiobook download today, and just dive into reading. Uh, Brunch with Besties, I know, has a book club, and so if you're interested in reading one of their books, just use my free trial membership and get connected to be a part of their book club. So yes. And just before I I dive off, I want to give you guys a few highlights. So May 19th, if you have not signed up yet, sign up for the Faces of Mental Health where we are talking about how trauma, addiction, and violence violence impacts children's social-emotional development. And there will be plenty of uh, behavioral and uh, wellness vendors I will be a vendor so you'll be able to meet me um, I'll have some products um, for you guys to purchase as well as I'll be a part of the panel so you don't want to miss this free event it's free so if you go to my Instagram at the evolving chair um, or on my Facebook the evolving chair um, you can find the links there and c- click on those and just register and again it is free and shouts out to uh pat taylor from p taylor consulting who is spearheading this great event and you know because we are in um the month of may mental health awareness month so you know people are doing some um 
great events in their community, go out and support. Um, people are using their social media platforms to share about mental health. Actually, me and several other um, black podcasters um, who are within the, the mental health arena have come together collectively. So shouts out to um, Dr. Taylor of Minding My Black Business um, and, and getting us together to to support Mental Health Awareness Month and, and getting people educated and knowledgeable and coming against the fear and shame that we have in our community about mental health and therapy. And so I hope you guys choose to be a part of that conversation on our social media platforms, on our Instagrams and on our Twitters. So just follow me and, and keep up with, with the, the online conversation. Um, because we'll be retweeting each other's podcasts. Um, and we hope that you guys join in, in the conversation on that as well as Saturday, May 26th at 10 AM to 1130 AM at Parkland YMCA here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I am hosting my I'm every woman session. And I actually hosted that last year in Chicago for the Black Mental Wellness Weekend. And so I, um, because of the need um, on social media and conversations I was having with people on my platform, I said, well, you know what? I will bring this session to Milwaukee. And so that's what I am doing May 26th. That's a Saturday from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. We will be talking about the, the, the stereotype of the, the superwoman syndrome and how to come against that, how to build up our supports as well as connect with other women um, within our communities. There will be interactive activities for us. Um, I will also have continental breakfast. So please, please register. And again, you can go to my social medias on Instagram at the evolving chair. Click the link in the bio to register. This is free. I will have a table there of different items um, that you can look through and you can even purchase. But this event is free as well. So share, let a friend know. I hope to see you guys there. You can go and follow me on my Facebook, The Evolving Chair, and sign up through that way as well. So May 26th, my I'm Every Woman session. You don't want to miss it. I'm telling y'all, uh, when I did it in Chicago last year, you know, we had a room. Women were in tears um, just because of, of actually talking about. Um, the expectations we set upon ourselves and how do we combat that after years of rolling like that and so you guys do not want to miss this so yes I, I hope you guys really enjoyed the podcast session with Miss Latrice I know I took away some great gems from it so please if you if you like the podcast session please go rate it on iTunes and share it with a friend. And if you are not connected with me yet, please sign up um, to stay connected with me. Again, click on my um, link in my bio on Instagram and just click the tab that says stay connected because you also get a 10% coupon off of merchandise. So you don't want to miss out because I have some stuff that's coming out and that's going to be bomb. Y'all don't want to miss out on that. So yes, as always, I hope you guys be well and peace. 
Hey, TC listeners, don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast. It can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And don't forget to connect with me on social media, on Instagram at The Evolving Chair, Facebook, The Evolving Chair, Twitter at The Evolving Chair without the R, and my new email address, podcast at theevolvingchair.com. So send in your questions if you are interested in being a guest or want to be on the chair with Lakeisha.